Hi everyone, welcome to the Bible Project Podcast, episode 218, and we're in season 2, which is looking at the book of Genesis, and this is part 149, and I've called this section, The Dangers of Living in the World Today. Just a quick reminder, if you've just fallen upon us for the first time, strong recommendation, why not join us on this amazing journey through the whole Bible together, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. You can either go back to the very first episode, where there's an introductory season that gives an introduction and overview to each of the 66 books of our Bible, or if you prefer, go back to around about episode 70, where we kick off with what's called season two, which is the main event proper, where we begin to work through the whole Bible, beginning here in the book of Genesis. But today we're looking at this rather difficult story of the event when Lot tries to protect the two men who we have discovered, uh, the two visitors who discovered our angels by protecting them by bringing them into his home. And this crowd from the city of Sodom arrive and try and force the way in. Now this next part of the story has been used by many as a diatribe against homosexuality. Now it's very clear that that's what's going on here and the text is, it's true, clear that it does not approve of such behaviour. But there's much, much more going on here than just an attack on the concept of homosexuality. Because the threat, and I won't mince my words, the threat that has been used here is one of homosexual rape against these men. And it's used to illustrate a much wider issue than just the narrow confines of that particular offence. The inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah here are seen to be willing to forcefully remove the strangers out of Lot's house and basically use them as, and abuse them in any way they see fit. So think about what these people are doing and what it actually means. Well, of course, there's the wider principle of viewing sex as just a recreational activity or, as seen here, as a violent abuse of power. And that, of course, is the essence of any rape offence. It is a abuse of power and control. And secondly, of course, they're violating the principle that governs appropriate conduct with strangers and their requirement to offer them protection and hospitality. And they're breaking those rules in the most dramatic of ways. The sexual aspect is pointing to the danger of putting sexual gratification at the height, the hierarchy of all things. But what is particularly reprehensible here is that these actions are seen to fall outside the constraints of any civilised rules that might have existed within any city or state. So this story is illustrating for us uncivilised behaviour and it's using this to show us that this is an example of the worst kind of depravity that this city has fallen to if it's willing to do this sort of thing. Taking strangers who come into a society where they are meant to be shown hospitality and protection and a mob shows up at the house and says, hand them over. We're going to do with them whatever the heck we want and if you or your family lot get in the way, then things are going to get worse for you or the same thing will happen to you and your family. So this is showing us that this place, it's well, it's rife with completely out of control behaviour that's outside the norm of any civilised society, not just then, but today. And it's described here in a way that provides a shorthand that illustrates that the social structure 
of this entire society, of this city, has fallen apart. It has collapsed. There is no moral code being applied. Nothing that would even stop inhabitants of the cities engaging in the most brutal, immediate gratification and destruction of other people and other vulnerable people as they would perceive them, strangers, visitors. Now let me remind you of what verse 9 says and remember that the men outside the house are banging at the door and they're speaking. And they say, stand back. Then they said, the one came in to stay here and he's acting as a judge. And now we'll deal worse with you than with them. So they're talking to Lot here. But I think this is really insightful, this verse. Look at what it says. It says, Lot, you came in. You can't now come into us and just judge us about these things. Do you recognize that? Does it sound like what we hear today when we people say, you people are always judging people? Maybe that sounds familiar to you as a Christian. Christians are always being accused of judging people. When people stand up and say, look, this situation is wrong. Something's wrong with the world here. Those people are often accused of judging people. Now, earlier in the passage, Abraham also spoke out against what they were doing and they accused him of being a judge also. Let's just revisit the text again. So it says they pressed hard against the man lot and came near to breaking down the door. But the men, that's the angels, the visitors, they reach out their hands and they pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. And then they struck the men who were in the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now the word translated for blindness is a word that doesn't appear very often in the Old Testament, only a couple of times. And many Bible experts suggest that it's talking about more than just physical blindness well it's saying spiritual blindness fell upon them concluding confusion the term dazed and confused was used by some very early bible commentators and translators to describe what's going on here but whatever it is that struck them down it's clear they are prevented from continuing their assault or even getting into the house so the angels are now saying to lot lot you need to get out of here before we destroy this city. You see, the cry of the persecuted has so grown so great before the face of God that he has sent us down to first of all view the place to see if things are as bad as they are and if so, to destroy this place. So they, they are simply saying to him, before this judgment that we are about to bring falls, you and your family must get out of town. So Lot goes and he speaks to his son-in-law who has married his daughter, the ones who have married his daughters. And he says to them, you need to pack up and get out of this place for the Lord is going to destroy the city. But here's, the, here's what's interesting. The son-in-law's response, they say, you're wrong, Lot. God's not going to destroy the whole city because of what's happening here. Another familiar Israel response is shown here when people question things based on, and the argument, the shorthand argument they often go to is, well, a loving God wouldn't do that type of thing. Now, remember, when we were first introduced to Lot, a little while back, Lot was initially described as a righteous man. But Second Peter tells us that he was influenced to some degree by the place. And we can see that influence now playing out in his children and grandchildren. They were living in that world, in that place, and being influenced by it. 
But of course, we all, in a sense, live in the world, don't we? So what does it mean to live in the world according to the Bible? Well, let's look at a moment for James chapter 4 from the New Testament. And the book of James tells us this about the world, and this is what it says. Do you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. And you get the same idea when you read 1 John chapter 2, where it says this in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. So there it is again, friends. It's either the world or the Lord. If your friendship is with the world, then you become by nature an enemy of God. If you're bruising it up in the world and that's where your friends are situated, then you are your, and your friends are all being conformed to the world standards. You're listening to them, in other words, and most importantly, you're being influenced by them. It's absolutely fine to interact with the world. It's a good thing to have non-Christian friends. And of course, we will have many, many work colleagues, many of us. But make sure that you are the one who's influencing them and it's not them who are influencing you and drawing you away from God. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 and onwards, it lists out the practicalities of what this means. Pulling out of that text, it's telling us for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. They, none of these things, none of them come from the Father, but they come from the world. But you know, the world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever, it reminds us. Well, we'll unpack what that means a little bit more in the next episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you back here again very soon. A quick reminder, that's my dog Ella enjoying the Bible study this morning. A quick reminder that a full transcript of anything I say is available in any of the audio versions of the podcast if you look in the episode notes. And if you're watching it as a video, you'll find a link through to the audio versions there. So that's it for today. It's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Ella. And I hope to see you back here very soon in the Daily Bible Project podcast. Bye for now.